The following is a chapter reading by the Worm Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com. Thank you, and enjoy. Lift, Sierra grunted. The tightness in her back was reminder enough to use her legs to rise to a standing position. Her hands were blistered and every knuckle was scraped or bruised. They were carrying a door, torn from its hinges. The peeling paint, the worn wood, and the weight of their burden made it less than uncomfortable to hold. She held one end of the door. Jay was at the opposite end, his back to the man who was draped over it. She wanted to ask Jay to hold the other end. She doubted looking down at the figure as he carried the makeshift stretcher would even bother him. But she didn't ask. She couldn't spare the breath. They'd been working so long already. It was easier to just forge ahead than to stop for any reason. Still, her silence meant she was faced with the corpse of the man who had once lived here. Once upon a time, he had parents. Had a first day at school. Had made friends. Even had a crush on someone. He had probably worked. He'd had things he loved about life, no doubt. And if he was living here, he probably had more than enough things about life that he hated. Whoever he'd been, he was just another one of Mannequin's victims now. Not quite so disturbing as the ones killed by Burnscar. He didn't have a wallet on him, so he was a John Doe for now. When they'd started working yesterday, the sort of thinking had made her want to cry. Now she felt numb. She could have thought about something else, but a part of her wanted to pay John Doe his due respect. If nothing else, he deserved to be looked at as a human being rather than just another body. She bent down to set the door on the ground. Jay took hold of the man by the shoulders, she lifted by the pants legs, and they moved him three feet to the right. John Doe was set down on the concrete floor. He joined twenty-nine other bodies, now arranged in two rows of fifteen people. Too many were fellow John and Jane Doe's. A blister had popped on her hand as she carried the door. It smarted, but her focus was on the man. Forty or so, but the yellow of his skin pointed to liver problems. He could be as young as thirty, prematurely aged by alcoholism. It wasn't like she hadn't seen enough drunks around the city to be blind to the signs. She felt like she should say something, but the words didn't come to her. Had he been a mean-spirited lecher of a drunk? Or someone who'd worked hard at whatever job he could find to support his family, then drank his worries away with his buddies after a shift? A lonely man without anyone to care for him? She considered a simple sorry, not necessarily because she felt guilty. She was speaking more for the fact that she couldn't do more for him, and apologizing on behalf of the random, senseless events that had taken his life. Next? she asked. She looked at him. He was tired, but she didn't see any signs of the same emotional drain she was experiencing herself. He'd been a gang member of the ADB, had preyed on others, maybe even killing. This job didn't faze him in the slightest. Behind his shaggy hair, his narrow eyes were cold, uncaring. He could have been carrying groceries for all he seemed to care. It creeped her out. No, she said. I've hit my limit. Can you find someone else to move the last two bodies from the factory to here? Okay. She stared at the bodies. Hopefully they could arrange something early in the morning. Maybe if she put together a group and sent them downtown to verbally request help? It was only one of the growing number of issues she was going to have to solve. She sighed. I'm going to go see how things are inside. Okay. She watched as he left to rejoin Yan and Sujida. 
the other two ex-ABB members. He must have said something to them because Jan turned to look at Sierra. The look was intense. It wasn't jealousy from a Chinese-American girl. It was something else. As creepy as Jay was, his girlfriend's stare scared Sierra more. Exhausted and unnerved, Sierra headed back to Skitter's headquarters. She double-checked that nobody was following her before entering the storm drain. It was pitch black inside. Humid. She walked with fingertips tracing the right-hand wall. When the wall ended, she kept walking. It was disoriented. Uncomfortable. Walking around without a guide in a darkness so absolute she couldn't see her hand in front of her face. She felt the wall again and she kept her hand on it as she rounded the next corner. There was a wet patch where some small amounts of water were trickling down from the street above. Two more paces, then a left-hand turn. She fumbled around briefly to find the opening. That was the hardest part. The rest was easy. Finding the doorway, entering the cellar, then heading upstairs to the main floor. She was glad to see light, to let go of that fear that she'd miss the gap and find herself wandering the storm drains and getting lost, unable to find a way back to the surface for the beach. She wondered if Skitter had felt the same way. She nearly tripped over a small child as she made her way into the kitchen. Charlotte was there, and she was busy at emptying the cupboards. Everything edible was on the counter, or on the ground, neatly arranged. Sierra estimated roughly twenty children were on the ground floor. There are more than there used to be. Odali clan. Sierra frowned. They need to take care of their own kids. They're kind of preoccupied. They were hit harder than anyone else by the attack. I think only six of the twenty who were with us are still left. I know, but they still need to take care of their kids. Give them one day to mourn, Charlotte asked. It's your call. You're the one babysitting in the meantime. I'm trying, Charlotte said. They're switching between playing and being pretty normal kids to crying because their parents are, you know, dead. Yeah, Sierra confirmed. Charlotte had taken off her mask and was using it to tie her hair back. She strained it and tied it over her forehead again. Isn't the city supposed to handle this? There should be something like foster care or a special evacuation plan for orphan kid. I don't think the city knows. It's not just the kids. We've got 30 dead bodies, and it's not exactly cool out, and there aren't any ambulances or anything showing up to handle it. We just spent the entire afternoon moving them to a new spot with Jay and two locals. We were talking about burning them in a mass grave, but I'm worried that it's against the law. And since half of them don't even have an ID, they might ruin any chance of their families identifying them. Not easy. No, Sarah admitted. How's the rationing? It's less like she wants to shopping and more like she wanted to stock this place like it was a miniature grocery store. A little bit of everything. I'm trying to organize it now by exp expiration date so we can prioritize eating and serving the food that's going bad now in case she never comes back and the food starts to get low. I know it's a bit late, but there's a lot of us who've been working hard, cleaning up the mess from the attacks. Sarah hedged. You want dinner? Sarah pressed her hands together in a pleading gesture. Maybe soup? I figure we need to eat those vegetables. They're stock, and if we water it down, we can split it up more. Charlotte trailed off. I never really cooked at home. I helped my parents cook, but that's not the same thing. It works. Prepare some rice from the supplies, since we have more than enough of that. Bulk it out. We have a lot of mouths to feed. Okay. All she wanted to do was stop. Instead, she stepped into the living room where makeshift beds had been arranged with piles of blankets and sleeping bags. Only two kids were sleeping there, both clearly brother and sister. It was as much privacy as she was going to get. She plucked the satellite phone from her pocket. 
This scenario wasn't what she had expected on any level. Even if Scudder had explained the job duties as being helping out, rebuilding, organizing, Sierra had maintained doubts. She'd been waiting for that one job where Skidder tested her limits, asked her to do something a little dangerous, something morally ambiguous. It would be subtle, or it would have consequences she wasn't immediately aware of, but it would set her on the road to something darker. Except it hadn't happened yet. Even the scope of what she was doing here caught her off guard. There were innumerable dead, and yet more people forced out of their homes by the fires Brink's car had started. It seemed like everyone was walking a narrow line between banding together as a community and killing one another. It felt strange to identify as one of those key people who were pulling for the former. She was organizing everyone, keeping in touch with the groups handling the other cleanup jobs, and working tirelessly at the hardest and most unwanted jobs in the hopes of inspiring others to keep going. When the smell of shit and rot accompanied the dead got to someone, Sarah was at their side, helping them calm down, already to name another place where they were needed. It was almost too much. A huge part of her wanted to call Skidder, to get some guidance, to order supplies, and defer on the harder problems, like the bodies. Another part of her was scared, too. She dialed another number instead. Yes? The voice was deep. She was put in the mind of being a little kid, calling a friend and hearing an adult on the other end. It felt awkward. She sort of resented it. I'd like to talk to Bryce? It came out as more of a question than a statement. One moment. She watched with the phone pressed to one ear as Charlotte recruited some of the older children to help a prayer dinner. They started putting things back in the cabinets, ordered not by the type of food, but how long it would last. One of the children found a cutting board and began to cut lettuce. Sierra? Yeah, she answered. Well, what do you want? Checking up on you, moron. I'm fine, Bryce said. He managed to sound sullen. She crossed the room to approach the kitchen counter and mimed proper cutting technique for the ten-year-old that was preparing this lettuce. It wouldn't do to have the kid lose any fingertips. Or maybe she was sensitive to the idea while talking to Bryce. Is that it? Bryce asked. I was hoping for more than two words of response. How's your hand? Hurts. That's going to happen. You lost all four fingers. No, it hurts like my fingers are still there and they're being crushed. She didn't know what to say to that. I'm sorry? You deserved what you got? Ask Tattletail about it. She's gone. Has been for more than a day now. Has been for more than a day now. Jaw said she's not to be disturbed with phone calls or anything like that. Skitter had been gone for roughly as long as Tattletail. According to Charlotte, Skitter had invited a bunch of local villains over and then left shortly after. There are probably the other eight territory bosses who were working to occupy the city. That had been over 48 hours ago. Jaw gave me some painkillers, Bryce said. What kind? Sarah felt the stab of alarm. It must have been audible because Bryce replied, Relax, over-the-counter stuff. Okay. What have you been doing? Nothing big, keeping track of some members of the Chosen as they move around. Book Wolf's guys. I know who they are. They've been moving in. I thought we were going to get in a fight, but Jaw had us all retreat. I think because I was with them. It's annoying. It's a good thing that you're not being dragged into a firefight, especially one with capes. They've been teaching me how to fight with a knife, how to throw one, how to use a gun. I don't want you learning that stuff. I have to, in case we get ambushed or something. And I'm not bad at it. We could have fought those guys. Did Tattletail tell you you could fight them? She asked, already knowing the answer. Like I said, Tattletail isn't around and hasn't for a while. So the answer's no? She didn't give you the go-ahead? No. 
That's good enough reason to back off, then. I don't know exactly who she is or what she does, but she knows what she's doing. Trust her in that. Always awesome to talk to you, Sierra. Thanks. Bye now. Don't hang up on me. Put me on the phone with Jaw. Bryce hung up. He's supposed to be getting better, more disciplined. Had she made the wrong call? If Bryce was getting training with guns and knives and still failing to shape up, this thing with him being recruited by Tattletail could be disastrous in the long run. She waited a minute, then called the same number. Yes. Again, Jaw's deep voice. He hung up on me. I wanted to ask how he was doing. The boy's learning. I'd rather he wasn't learning how to use weapons. If he's getting in a situation where he needs to fight, you guys aren't keeping your end of the deal. That would be Prit. He thinks she's attractive and listens to her best, so minors are accompanying him much of the time. She's a former child soldier. She would have thought self-defense was a good way to regain confidence after the boy lost his fingers. She could imagine Joss saying that with Bryce overhearing, her brother getting simultaneously annoyed and embarrassed. She liked it. Have her cut it out? I don't want to sound like I'm giving you orders, but I don't want my little brother shooting people. It's fine. Tattletold told us to do whatever you required as far as the boy is concerned. I will tell Miner, and he will order the others to keep the boy away from the weapons. Thank you. I will also decide on a punishment for the boy for being rude and hanging up on his sister. I think we will all like him to learn some respect for his betters. She could imagine him looking at Bryce as he said that. Nothing too serious, as punishment goes. Nothing serious. It will build character. Thank you. Any word on Skitter and Tattletail are doing? No. All I know is that it will be dangerous and every squad is on high alert. We are sleeping in shifts, maintaining combat readiness, and doubling patrols. We were informed three hours ago that the downtown area is off limits. I know Lieutenant Fish was deployed there when the order came out, and he has ceased all communications. All of downtown? Yes. She hung up and headed for the bathroom to tend to the damage of her hands had accumulated over the day's work. Disinfectant, antibiotic ointment, bandages. Every time she thought she'd found the last small scrape, she found another. By the time she was done, her hands had so much in the way of bandages as there was exposed skin. She flexed her fingers to make sure she could still move them, adjusted two bandages, and then returned to the kitchen. Progress? Nearly done. It hasn't cooked very long, and I'm worried it will just taste like boiled vegetables and water. But you said people were hungry. How do you want the soup to get out there? There's three spots where people are sleeping tonight. Let's mobilize the kids and get some food out to everyone. The kids? Everyone needs to contribute. Maybe if they see seven-year-olds doing their part, the O'Dally clan will get the message. Sierra. Charlotte made a pained expression as she spoke. They've been through a lot. They're using our sleeping space. They're eating our food supplies. We can't hold their hands and baby them. Everyone's having a hard time these days. That's cold. Maybe, but I've been working from sunrise to well after dark here. And they were just sitting around, getting in the way, complaining and crying. Most of their family died just a few days ago. Sierra didn't have a response to that. They were still eating far too much and taking up too much room for people who hadn't lifted a finger to help. Anyways, think I can use the kids? Don't push them. Some of them are pretty emotionally sensitive, but yeah. Sierra turned around. Hey, Munchkins, got a job for you. Help out and we'll give you first dibs on the after-dinner treat. Roughly half of the little ones approached her, six to ten years old, boys and girls, a variety of ethnicities. Who's the oldest? Raise your hand if you're ten. Okay. If you're nine? Eight? She mentally sorted them out, then directed them. You. You're in charge of those three. You're in charge of those two. 
you're in charge of this pair, okay? Older kids looking after little kids. They sorted into their groups. You're carrying soup out to the sleeping areas. We've got something to carry them in. Charlotte? Yeah, just give me a minute. Don't want them to burn their hands. Everyone carries what they can. Take the soup out there and then come back here. Charlotte put the lids on the first two containers of soup and then the kids scampered off. Sierra didn't give it a second thought until she heard a shutter sliding, up, sliding open. Not the front door, Sierra called out, but the kids were already out the front door. She sighed. They're afraid of the storm sewer, Charlotte pointed out. I know. It's not that big of a deal. I'm going to go out with the next group just to keep an eye on the delivery process. Okay, I'll prep some more for you to carry, Charlotte said. Find some more Tupperware pots I can put this in. Charlotte nodded and turned to do as she'd been asked, but the kids were already hopping to the task. She let them go ahead. It seemed they were glad for something to occupy themselves. Maybe they recognized how shitty the overall situation was and they wanted to help fix it. She suspected she'd find the necessary Tupperware faster than the four kids combined, but it wasn't a big deal. Well, well, well. Sarah rolled around before the man was even finished talking. Not a man, exactly. But, boy, didn't fit. It was Jay. The Japanese-American gl boy glared at her through his mop of hair. Jay, you weren't invited here. I can see why. Electricity? Running water? Food? You've got a maid. I was wondering where you were going. Tried following you, but you disappeared. Thought we'd miss our chance until we saw some ankle biters running out on the street with plastic containers of food. Seems you've been hoarding the good shit. We're not hoarding, she spoke. She had to swallow to clear her throat. She knew she had to sound confident. This is Skitter's place. Skitter, sure, if she's still alive, but not your place. Don't see why you can have all this stuff and we can't. Skitter gave us permission. We supposed to believe that? Sugita asked, his voice heavily accented. Yeah. No, Jan spoke. She reached behind her back and drew a handgun. Don't believe you. There are kids here, Sarah thought. Stupid, she spoke without thinking. Jan pointed the gun at her. What did you say? You know Skitter gave us the go-ahead to use her place. That's so? I overheard someone complaining that Skitter left without announcing anything after the fires, Jan said. Her tone was mocking. You assholes. Least you can do is drop a bullshit and admit you just want to take our stuff. Was thinking about it. Sure, Jay said. Doesn't look like Skitter's coming back. Two-day situation like this? But you're dreaming if you think we're going to just walk away with some food. I think we're going to evict you. Evict us? Move out of the way, Jan ordered Sierra, twitching the gun to her left. Why? Sierra asked. Because I'll shoot you if you don't, Jan said. I can't believe you're not listening. You're either stubborn or stupid. I'm tired, Sierra replied. And what you're doing here isn't exactly brilliant. Think about it. Where did this food come from? The equipment? Skitter bought it. From who? From where? It's pretty obvious this place was set up after Leviathan came. But where'd she get it? She had it delivered, and the same people who make deliveries like this to a supervillain are going to be pretty ticked off if they find out someone's messed with one of their customers. The argument was feeble, and she knew it. If these people exist, they won't show up tonight, we'll spend the night. I figure we're overdue for a party. Leaving us to clean up the mess? Sierra, Charlotte spoke, her voice quieted. Not worth it. Jan gestured with the gun, and Sierra listened this time, stepping out of the way. Sugita and Jay headed past the counter and into the kitchen while Jan stood where she could block the front door. Sarah could see Charlotte shrinking away like a shark that smelled blood. Sugita turned his attention to her. He stepped close, invading her personal space. Don't show fear, Sarah prayed. But Charlotte did. In an instant, it was 
as though she was a different person than she had been five minutes ago. Weak-kneed, cringing, not even resisting as Sagitta grabbed her at the wrist. There was something at play there that Sarah hadn't been told. Leave her alone. Shut up, bitch. Yon stepped closer, waggling his gun. You want to get shot? Just let us go. Do whatever the fuck you want here. It's on your head. But let us go. Don't think so. I hate arrogant bitches. Going to spoil my mood if I don't do anything about it. Your choice. I can shoot you through your palm, shoot you in the knee, or I can shoot one of the kids. Sarah glanced at the kids who had shrunk back against the counters, cabinets, and the wall. There were tears tracking down the dirt through their faces, but they were mostly managing to keep quiet. Well, Yon asked, raising her voice. Sierra couldn't bring herself to speak. Being shot in the hand, she might never use it again. But the knee was supposedly the part of the body that had the hardest time recovering from a major injury. Yon bent down and grabbed one of the oldest boys by the hair. Ten years old, blonde hair, and bad need of a haircut, and a pugnacious nose. He squealed and writhed in pain at the grip of his scalp until he wrenched himself out of Yon's grip, falling flat on his back. The girl jammed the gun in his mouth before he could recover, and he froze. Choose! My hand. Yon smirked, taking the gun out of the boy's mouth. Put it flat against the wall. Sierra started raising her hand, then stopped. A figure stood behind Yan. Her costume was barely recognizable. She wore a short cape of tattered black cloth over her body armor, a skin-tight black suit beneath that, and there were folds of black cloth draped around her legs like a dress of a, or a robe. The entire fabric seemed to ripple and move. It took Sierra a second to realize it was crawling with a carpet of insects. The disconcerting part was the girl's face, or lack thereof. Her expression was masked behind a shifting mass of bugs that moved in and out of her hairline. Sierra couldn't even tell where the bugs ended and the scalp began. As the small black bodies crawled into and onto the black curls, there was a hint of something like glass where Skitter's eyes were but the bugs ventured far enough over her eyelids and around the frames that nothing was visible in the way of goggles, glasses, or skin. Skitter hadn't made a sound as she entered. She hadn't spoken, and her footsteps had been quiet. Jan pointed the gun at Skitter. You're back, huh? The villainess didn't speak. She pointed to her right instead. Advancing toward the group was a beetle the size of a small pony. It didn't use its forelimbs to walk. It held them up so the razor edge was both visible and ready to strike. Call it off or I shoot. Shoot and you die, Skidder's voice was distorted, not really resembling a sound from human lips. The beetle seemed to offer a deep buzz to accompany the ooh sounds. It won't be pretty. Brown recluse venom makes your muscles necrotize. That means it decays while you're still alive. It takes days, but the only real cure is taking a knife to the area around the bite. That might be okay if you only have one bite. Carve out a half a pound of flesh. Let the wound drain, stitch it up. But what if you have three or four bites? Or ten? You're bullshitting me. Yon spat out the words. Skitter ignored her. It's excruciatingly painful. Nothing you experience during your initiation into the ABB even compares, I can guarantee it. You're rotting alive, your flesh turning black as it liquefies. So maybe you shoot me. Maybe you even kill me. Though I doubt it. Either way, whether I walk Away from here, alive or not, you get bitten. They're already on you. All three of you. Yang glanced down at her body, and the same instant the beetle took flight. It crossed the room in a span of a heartbeat and slammed into her. Its blade-like forelimbs caught around Yan and pulled her to the ground. Sierra turned her attention to the other two. Sasagita 
lunging to one side. She practically threw herself between him and the countertop where the knife still lay on top of the cutting board. Jay drew his knife but dropped it in the same motion. His other hand clutched his forearm as his eyes went wide. That's one bite, Shaggy, Skitter said, giving you two seconds to kick the knife under the stove before I give you another. One, Jay kicked the knife across the kitchen floor it slid out of sight. And you, I think we're the other one with the bad accent. You can step away from Charlotte now. So Jada scowled, but he did as he was asked. He backed away from Charlotte until he stood beside Jay. Charlotte let one sob escape before she hurried across the kitchen and moved to stand behind Skitter. She's been through something, Sarah thought. She knew Charlotte was staying in town only because of her family, that she'd been captured by the merchants and held for at least a short while. And there was some reason she couldn't explain that to her family and just leave the city. I hope the rest of you are okay, Skitter asked. Where were you? Sarah returned the question with one of her own. Dealing with the nine. They're not a concern anymore, at least for now. It was surreal hearing the girl talk about dealing with the Slaughterhouse Nine. They weren't in the same category as your average villain. They were like monsters from horror films. The killer who always got up at the end of the film, the monster who never died. You mean they won't attack anytime soon, or they're dealt with? Burnscar's dead, Crawler's dead, Mannequin's probably dead, Cherish and Shatterbird wish they were dead, Found Siberian's weak point, and it will be international news soon, if it isn't already. She, Jack, and Bonesaw ran. Tried to pursue, couldn't track them. It will be a while before they bounce back. You took on the nine and one? Skidder ventured towards Yan, then used one foot to hold the girl's arm down against the ground. The beetle pinned it there, pressing the point of one forelimb into the, her palm with enough pressure that a bead of blood appeared. Skitter stepped around the girl so the beetle could do the same. When Yen clenched her fist, Skitter stepped on her fist, crushing it underfoot. She took her time responding. When she did speak, all she said was, I didn't say we won. She lifted her foot, Yen unclenched it, and the beetle stabbed down with another pointed forelimb to pin it to the ground. What are you doing? Yan asked a note of desperation in her voice. Skitter didn't respond. Sarah? Charlotte? Charlotte didn't venture a reply, but Sierra managed one. Yeah? Were it not for the accompanying buzz of the bugs, Sarah suspected she wouldn't have heard Skitter speak. You've been working hard. Thank you. I didn't expect to have anything to come back to. It's okay, Sarah said. The words were a bit of a non-sequitur, but Skitter seemed to accept them. Thought you would have left, Skitter said. Anyone that's still in the city probably has some reason they can't go. But things here aren't good. We can fix that, Skitter said. It sounded more like she was talking to herself than anyone else in the room. It would have been a reassuring if she hadn't been staring down at Yan. What are you going to do? Yan repeated herself. Charlotte, would you take the children into another room? Charlotte seemed relieved to have any chance to escape. Every child that was present flocked to her, and she hurried into the bedroom. Yan raised her voice. You left! You abandoned us! They were as insecure as the rest of us, Sierra thought. Not that excused their behavior. Hand or knee? Skitter asked. Fuck you, Yon shouted. Then she convulsed. She thrashed, dragging her hands against the pointed forelimbs with such violence that she opened ragged cuts in her palms. She stopped as quickly as she'd started, her eyes going wide. She'd been bitten more than once. Shaggy hair, hand or knee? Jay's eyes went wide, but he very calmly stated, Hand. His eyes went wide as the spider crawled in the length of his arm to the back of his hand. He jumped like he'd been electrocuted. 
and Mr. Accent, hand or knee. Sagitta glanced around and lunged for Sierra, going for the knife on the counter yet again. She blocked him for the second time. He tried to shove her aside, and she used the distraction to drive her knee into his stomach. He grunted and folded over. Both, then, Skitter said. Sagitta was too busy reeling from the knee to the gut to respond or react. Attacking my people? That was dumb. Attacking a little kid? Dumber. Consider my territory to be a very bad place to for you to come from now on. My bugs can see you, they can hear you, and I'll know if you slow down even a little as you leave. Give you a few more bites. The beetle climbed off Yan, using its forelimbs to pick up the gun by driving the points of the trigger guard. It moved to Skitter's side. Jan, Sagita, and Jay all took that as their leave to climb to their feet and head towards the door. None of them even looked at Skitter, but they stopped when she pushed the door closed. There's no safe haven for you in Brockton Bay. My allies have control over every district, every territory. No shelter will host you, and our individual forces will be searching every other place that you might want to sleep. Before you get far enough to find a doctor and get those bites treated, my contacts will have spread the word. The doctors may have to treat you, but we can have our people sitting in the waiting rooms, or waiting as assistant, assistance to the doctors. If you show your face, you'll get attacked. Maybe it will be a direct attack. Maybe it won't. Trust me when I say... You won't be in any shape to defend yourselves. So you're condemning us to die. Any bravado Jan might have had before had been excised and replaced by a wide-eyed fear. No. Leave the city as fast as you can, and you can get help somewhere else. I don't really care, so long as you're out of my city. You'll have some ugly scars if you don't hurry. Skitter gestured to the door, and the three were quick to live. Sierra, the shutter. She hurried to obey, stepping into the open door frame and reaching up to bring it to the ground. It latched at the door's base. She shut the door after that. There are kids still on the errand, I think. I'll let you know when to open the shutter again. Okay. Skitter scattered the bugs around her face and ran her gloved fingers through her hair to straighten it. I'm sorry. It's okay, Sarah replied, not sure what she was apologizing for. Couldn't focus on this place and the nine at the same time. And I thought this place was a lost cause. That stung, but Sierra didn't voice that thought. Might be. We've got bodies to get rid of. I'll handle that tonight. The Chosen have been moving into the edges of your area, here and elsewhere, according to Tattletail's soldier. Skitter let herself drop into a chair. Anything serious? Ongoing attacks? Just occupying the territory, I think. Maybe making trouble for minorities nearby, but nothing so serious that I've heard about. Then I'll deal with them after an afternoon's rest. Maybe open a discussion before I try anything more serious. Skitter's voice buzzed as she spoke. She pulled off the mask that covered the lower half of her face. Your voice. You're still doing that thing you were doing where your bugs talk with you. Sorry, Skitter said, the swarm suddenly quiet. I don't even think about it anymore. Your gang's got a lot smaller. A lot of people died. Skitter put her elbows on her knees, removed her glasses, and buried her face in her hands. Crying? Sierra hesitated. What was she supposed to do here? She so he ventured forward and reached out to put a hand on the girl's shoulder. She stopped when she saw the carpet of ants, cockroaches, and wasps. I'm okay, Skitter said without looking up. She removed her hands from her face and leaned back. There was no sign of tears. Her eyes were dry. Just tired. Could I bother you to make me a cup of tea? Milk? A drop of honey? Sarah nodded. I remember. Silence reigned as she filled the kettle and set it down on the stove. Still have to deliver the soup. Sierra tried to surreptitiously examine Skitter. 
The girl was removing all of the bugs from the surface of her costume and the gaps in the armor. The swarm flowed up the stairs as a single mass. Those three, are they going to die? No, the bites weren't from a brown necklace. They'll hurt, they'll swell, and the three will probably leave the city to find a doctor. Even if they realize I conned them, I think I scared them enough that they won't be coming back to challenge me. Ah. They say we fear the unknown, Sarah thought to herself. So why does she freak me out more as I get to know her? She brought her employer tea in the largest cup she'd been able to find. Things are going to get better now, she asked. You're not worried about the Chosen? No, I think their leader is gone, and after facing down the Nine, somehow I'm not worried about dealing with them. Facing down the Nine. Sierra shivered a bit. No, Skitter thought out loud. I think the biggest challenge I face comes from within our organization. That gave Sierra pause. Had Skitter intended to include her with that R, or was it just vaguely phrased? An ally? One of the other people with their own territories? I shouldn't have said that, Skitter said. There was a pause. Sierra thought of how she would excuse herself, go tend to the soup, and check on Charlotte. But Skitter spoke first. But no. Not an ally. At least half of them might get involved, and that could get pretty ugly fast. But I'm thinking the biggest issue right now is the man at the top. Hi, this is Abby. You just finished listening to a chapter from Arc 14, Prey, from the web serial Worm by J.C. McRae. This production is brought to you by the Worm Audiobook Project. If you would like to know more about us or to volunteer your own services, please check us out at audioworm.rain-online.org. You can download or listen to every chapter directly from our site, or you can find us on iTunes or any other podcast app under Worm Audiobook. Thank you for listening.